Hey, would you bow with me? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight. Lord, I know that every student in this room could be doing anything else that they want tonight. Father, but I thank you that you have them here. I pray, God, you would give us ears to hear your word tonight. Give us a, a deep desire to want to live a way that honors you and honors people around us. Father, we are thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your mercy. We're thankful for your goodness because you give it to us, God, even though we don't deserve it. So, Father, I pray for any person here tonight, God, that feels like they're not worthy of your love, not worthy of your grace. I pray you would show them, God, by your presence, even now. Give them a deep sense that they're loved by you, God. We thank you for all you've done in our life. God, we ask you to move even tonight. Speak to us even tonight. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. How's everybody doing? Oh, come on, people. How's everybody doing? Listen, I, genuine, genuine, uh, some words here. I, I miss you guys. I really, really miss you guys. Somebody came to me earlier and was like, you left us and we missed you here. I'm like, I did not leave you. Serving in a new capacity in the church that you call home is not leaving you. But instead, it's continuing to invest in the families and investing in you. So I'm so thankful to be able to spend time with you all tonight, though, and be here for a little bit. Some of the faces that are here in these seats I do know because I've been around for a while and I love you guys very much. Some of you... I don't know. So I want to show you a quick picture of my family because it's increased in the past couple weeks. Let me show you this picture. Bam! That's a baby that is our baby, six weeks old, little Murray Elizabeth Miller right there in the middle. We've got Eli on the left with the boofy hair and then Owen over there, the spitting image of me, poor guy. And the blonde bombshell, that's my wife. I know you're like, how'd you do it? I don't know, but I did. So we got married, we had these kids, it's really great, and I'm really thankful for all of it. And so this evening, we're going to be in a series that you guys have been in for a couple weeks now called what? TBH, meaning, oh, well, you're so excited about this, to be honest. Here's, here's where I want to begin this evening, because I think it's going to set the framework for our entire discussion tonight. First and foremost, I am burdened for the church. And when I say church, I mean big C church, global church, everybody church. And I'm burdened because one of the biggest issues that we have within the church, certainly within the student ministry, certainly within Mount Horeb, is an inability for us to be honest. We have a really hard time being honest because a lot of times we feel like if we're honest that we don't measure up to somebody next to us. We don't measure up to the Instagram we saw earlier. We don't measure up to our friend down the street. We don't measure up to this or that. And so because of that, rather than be honest about where we find ourselves, what's going on in our life, we choose to push it under the rug, act like everything is fine, and continue on. Here's the problem. When we're not honest about our questions, when we're not honest about our struggles, when we're not honest about the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in, we find ourselves one day down the road, maybe years from now, looking back being like, I wish I would have told somebody that I was struggling. I wish I would have told somebody I had questions. I wish I would have told somebody what was happening within my life. What, what, what math are y'all taking right now in school? Pre-cal? What? Problem stats? <laughs> what else? Geometry, yes. Listen, I remember vividly algebra. Anybody algebra? Anybody love algebra in the room? Really? I'm going to pray for you in a little bit. I remember algebra like yesterday, sitting in the class about halfway through the semester, and all of a sudden, professor looked at everybody, professor, the teacher looked at everybody in the, in the classroom and said, now, does anybody have any questions? Because we're about to go to something new, and if you don't understand what we've just learned, you're going to have some problems going to this next thing. You know what I was thinking in my head? I don't have a clue what we're doing. Did I raise my hand? Heck no. Did anybody else raise their hand? 
Heck no. And what I found out later on, guess what? Everybody else had the same question I had. But nobody's going to be honest about it. I remember in middle school, being all scrawny and stuff, having some zits, looking in the mirror, being like, what happened to my face? Remember middle school? Come on, people. The most awkward time of your life. And I remember being in middle school feeling like I'm the only one who feels awkward as a seventh grade kid. What's the truth? Everyone feels awkward as a seventh grade kid. It's what seventh grade is. It's the awkward year. But nobody's willing to raise their hand and just be honest about, listen, I'm struggling right now. I have questions right now. This doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me right now. And the truth is, everyone around you more than likely has a similar question to the question that you have. So what if we were willing to be honest? Raise our hand and say, I'm not keeping up. Raise our hand and say, I've got questions about this thing. Let's be honest and say what we're really, really thinking. Now, the discussion for this evening, I know, is something that everyone in this room wrestles with, with and the reason I know that is because you're human, just like me. But what we're going to be honest about tonight is, I believe, one of the biggest issues and hurdles that we come across as people in this room, as Christians, certainly, and certainly just as humans. When I was young, in middle school, um, I was, well, actually, before middle school, fourth grade, I had a best friend named Michael and a best friend named Johnny. I went to school one day with Johnny and Michael in my class, and we were sitting there doing the normal kind of day stuff, and all of a sudden they both looked at me and said, Code Red. And they turned and would not speak to me for the rest of the day. I was like, what's Code Red? They wouldn't talk to me. The whole day I'm like, guys, what's going on? What's Code Red? They wouldn't turn to me, wouldn't look at me, wouldn't talk to me. Next day we come to school again, everything's fine, everything's going well. About halfway through the class again, they look to each other and go, Code Red. And turn and wouldn't talk to me the rest of the day. I'm like, guys, what is, I don't understand Code Red. What's going on? I could not figure it out. This went on for like weeks. And finally, I got so upset about it, they finally told me, here's the problem. We feel like when there's a conversation, you always bring it back to yourself. So code red means we don't talk to you. In fourth grade, I was like, ouch, guys. Sixth grade. Sixth grade, we all went to the skating rink. Remember those days? That's my, that's my skating move. At the skating rink, everybody hanging out and stuff. There's this girl in sixth grade, and she was a looker. Okay, So I walked up, and her name was Linda. I'm like, Linda, listen, Linda. Okay, so I was like, I like you. Maybe you like me too. Maybe we should be like boyfriend and girlfriend. She was like, okay. Two hours later, she broke up with me. <laughs> what? And she said it's because I was too short. But the joke's on her because I'm 5'10 now. But in sixth grade, it didn't work out. I remember in eighth grade, my family had moved to Texas, and I was so homesick for Kentucky, where I'd grown up. I had a lot of good friends there. We moved away. We lived in Texas at the time, eighth grade. I remember every single night before we'd go to bed, I would make my mom cry because I was so sick of being where we had moved to. I was so angry at them for moving us there. I would tell my mom every night, listen, if you wake up in the morning and I'm not here, I've run away back to Kentucky. And my mom would cry, like, why are you doing this? I couldn't explain it to you other than I was so frustrated with what was happening with my family. I had no idea how to express it relationships are difficult, amen? Doesn't matter if you're a fourth grade kid and your best friends are like code red, not gonna speak to you. Doesn't matter if you're sixth grade, a little bit short and the girls don't wanna date you, I get it. Doesn't matter if you're an eighth grade kid and you're having trouble at home with your parents and getting along. This happens to all of us. And the problem is, some of us in this room, we're not willing to admit it. We're not willing to put our hand up and say, relationships are hard. Relationships are difficult for me. Truth is, I'm not very good at them. And you might even look at me and be like, wait, you're 36 years old, you're married, you got a couple kids. Like, surely you know how to do relationships. And the truth is, I don't. Relationships are messy. They're difficult. They're painful. They're hard. And they've always been like that. And the truth is, they will always be like that. 
relationships are the most challenging thing that any one of us in this room will ever go through. And here's how I know it. In scriptures, there's hardly anything else talked about more than relationships. Because the Bible understands, God understands, that to be able to relate to one another is the most important thing to be able to do. But it is one of the most hard things for us to be able to do. It leaves us frustrated. It leaves us defeated. You see, to be honest, relationships are ruthless. To be honest, relationships are ruthless. Don't say anything, but just raise your hand in the past month if you had some kind of issue, difficulty that related to relationships. Oh, Sanders is like, yeah. Don't say nothing about it. But look around the room. If nothing else tonight, you can look around and say, listen, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one wrestling with these things and trying to figure out how to do relationships and how to do them well. I would imagine that many of us in this room tonight, if we're vulnerable, if we're honest, many of us have a wound from someone who said something or did something to us a long, long time ago, maybe years ago. And you still, every single day when you wake up and you go to school, you're trying to live this thing down. You're trying to prove them wrong because of this wound that came from a relationship. Every one of us in the room can relate to this because for every one of us, relationships are ruthless. And this happens at a very, very young age. And the reason this happens is for one specific reason. But my boys, Owen and Eli, Eli is now eight, Owen is five, Murray, six weeks old. Every single one of them is the same. What I've found in having children is that children are selfish. You can say amen to that because you are one. Children are selfish. Here's what I mean. If I go to Eli, I'm like, listen, Eli, I want you to brush your teeth. We've paid far too much money for the last cavity that you had. You need to brush your teeth. He cares way more about not brushing his teeth than he cares about the money I just dished out of my pocket selfish. If I go to Owen, I'm like, Owen, I want you to go clean your room, please. Can you take a few minutes to go clean your room? He would rather watch the television show he's watching right now rather than going to his room and cleaning his room. You know why? He's selfish. Murray in the middle, she's six weeks old, and in the middle of the night, she will scream from the very depths of her soul because she wants milk more than she wants me to get a good night's sleep. You know why? Children are selfish. Humans are selfish. There's something deep within each and every one of us, and it's very simple. It's called the me monster. Everyone say me monster. Deep inside of every single one of us, and it raises its ugly head from time to time, is selfishness. The me monster. If you think of any relationship that you wrestle with and struggle with, I would imagine one of the problems is, guess who? You. Because we're selfish. Almost always, we're selfish. Again, this happens young. Eli, my eight-year-old, has this little girl that he likes at school. Okay, he's got a little girlfriend. So we talk about it occasionally, but he's like very shy about it. But he won't say her name. He only calls her Beep. So this is a true story. So, so some of you staff in the room, they can, they can attest to this. So if we're talking about this girl, I'm like, hey, so how'd things go today? Oh, well, you know, Beep sits at my table now. I'm like, I know, I know. So how is Beep. And so he'll go through the whole thing. And recently he's come home and gotten in the car and he's like, Dad, I just don't know if things, this thing's going to work out. I'm like, sorry, buddy, why do why, why you say that? He said, well, you know, she's a Clemson fan. I'm like, I understand. And, you know, I'm a Gamecock fan. I'm like, I, under, I understand that's, that's going to be, but that's not the only thing, Dad. I'm like, well, what's the other problem? He's like, you know, she, she likes Dallas. She's a Cowboys fan and I'm, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm like, oh, it's terrible. I know sports, they ruin everything. And then he's like, that's not it, Dad. She likes cats. I'm like, I know. She's a crazy cat lady. He's like, I like dogs. I'm like, I know. 
He's in third grade. He's already beginning to assess that Beep likes things that he doesn't like. And because of that, guess what? Ain't going to work out. You know why? The me monster. It's selfishness. And every one of us have a little bit of this within us. Some of us, a lot of this within us. Let's just think about maybe the last relationship you had. You had a crush on this person, but as soon as they began to cramp your style, not do the things that you wanted them to do, not behave the way you wanted them to behave, not say the things you want them to say, guess what you did? Kicked them to the curb. Because you care more about yourself than you care about the relationship. Think about your best friends. How many times do you have a friend that potentially you feel like you're always giving out, but that friend is always taking? And you feel like this relationship is not like a two-way street here. You know why? Selfishness. Think about your parents when you go home. A lot of times we get so upset about the dumbest stuff. Our parents sacrifice for us often. If we're honest, they sacrifice for us. And we're upset because they won't get Disney+. Plus. They won't get the new iPhone. And we find ourselves angry at our parents, even though they wiped your butt and fed you milk before you could ever survive on your own. You understand? Selfishness. It's the me monster. It is the very enemy of deep, meaningful relationships. And if you're looking around to find out why every relationship you find yourself in falls apart, guess what? Maybe you're the common denominator. Maybe you're the one who continues to be selfish and cause there to be an issue within the relationship. But here's the good news. You don't have to stay like that. It doesn't have to continue like that. Things could change. So in the Bible, in the book of Colossians, Paul, who's the writer of most of the New Testament, is speaking to people who live in a place called Colossae. Everyone say Colossae. Colossae is not that much different from Lexington because it's full of people. And this is an age-old problem of people trying to learn how to relate to each other and love each other well. And so Paul is writing to the people in Colossae, particularly the early church, to try to teach them and give them advice on how to relate to each other well. And so Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3 this incredible piece of, of a letter that he writes to these folks. Now, it sounds so easy just to love one another well, but how many people in the room know it's the hardest thing that we will ever do? Love people, friends, parents, siblings, your significant other. Love each other well. So Paul says this in chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. If you get your Bibles, you can open to it, you get it on your phone, or it's right here. He says, therefore. Now, what's the therefore? This means there's something that's preceded all of this. Paul has laid out from chapter 1 and chapter 2 all the way to chapter 3, he's laid out the importance of Jesus Christ. This person, Jesus, who gave his life, who sacrificed on the cross, who rose from the dead, he says, because of all of this backstory, therefore, he says this, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So Paul says, therefore, because of Jesus, blah, 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 everything I just said in the first two chapters, because of all of this, as God's children, holy and dearly loved, demonstrated by Jesus' life, because of all of this, here's what I'm asking you to do. Paul says, clothe yourself. Put on then. Some translations say it different kinds of ways. But it's the Greek word. I don't know if you knew this, but the Bible wasn't written in English. I know, it's mind-blowing. The New Testament was written in Greek. 
And so this Greek word that's translated for us as clothe yourself is the Greek word enduo. Everyone say enduo. Enduo. It literally means to put on, like clothing, like a robe, like a coat when it's cold outside. Put on. Clothe yourself with. So Paul says this, in light of everything we just learned about Jesus, put on then. And then Paul lists these incredible words for us to live by. Here's what Paul's trying to say. Nobody, nobody stumbles into good relationships. Nobody accidentally has a good relationship with their parents. Nobody accidentally treats people the way they should be treated. Nobody. Paul says it's something that you have to put on. Clothe yourself with. It's an intentional decision. So Paul says, all these words I've just given you, these are an intentional choice that you have to make every single day because you're not going to do it by accident. This is not your first nature. It has to become your second nature. I'm going to show you a sweet picture of some nuns. Check this out. Bam. <laughs> now, I know everyone's jealous of the, uh, the outfits in this picture, but... This is a group of nuns, and for hundreds of years, nuns have dressed in the exact same kind of way. Does anyone know what their outfit is called right now, other than stylish? What? This, what these nuns are wearing, what every nun wears, is called a habit. So literally, the outfit they wear is called a habit. You know why? It's the exact same thing every single day. Do you remember the first day of school every year? And you get up. The day before, and you pick out the clothes you want to wear to school. I know you, all you girls in the room are like, no, I don't. yes, you do. Some of y'all do it like daily, the night before. And you lay out your little outfits. I remember when I was in third grade, I had the sweetest, um, like, windbreaker pants and top matching zip-up suit. I know y'all are jealous. And I took that thing the first day of school. I laid it out. I was like, I'm going to look so awesome tomorrow. No girl agreed, but I felt so awesome in my windbreaker going to school that very first day. You know why? It was an intentional choice. Even tonight when you came here, you intentionally chose what you're wearing right now. Some of you intentionally chose poorly, but you chose something. You chose to wear this. Paul says, if you're going to have relationships that honor one another, if you're going to have relationships that honor your relationship with God first and foremost, it's got to be an intentional thing. You don't accidentally stumble into this. So he says, put on, in duo, clothe yourself with. And then he lists these different words that I want to walk through this evening. The first one is this. Paul says, put on compassion. Put on compassion. Now, compassion is a word that we throw around a lot, but the actual meaning of the word compassion, it literally means to be able to see from someone else's perspective. So Paul says when you put on compassion, what you're doing is you're being able to see from someone else's perspective the way they see. So I'll give you an example. Maybe the last time that your parents got upset with you about something, and so you went to your friends or you came to church and talked to Anna or to Stout, and we're like, you, my parents don't understand anything. They're just old. And we get so upset about this stuff sometimes. They're asking me questions like, how was my day? Mom, quit. What if... You were to put on compassion and realize that your parents are not doing this because they hate you. They're doing this because they love you, because they care about you. I want to ask you a question just for a second. What if you were your parent? How would you handle that? 
You see, for some of you in this room right now, you give your parents a run for their money. Everything is a fight. Everything's a struggle. And even as I was talking right now, some of you are giggling because you know it's true. But here's what I want you to see. If you could see from your parents' perspective just for a moment, just a glimpse, how would that change your relationship with them? If you could have compassion, Paul says, put it on like a coat. You're not going to accidentally do this. It's going to be something you have to choose to do, to have compassion, to see the way that someone else sees. Here's what this could do for you. When you walk through the school hallways and there's that person that nobody sees, I mean, people see them, but they don't actually see them. They ignore them. If you had compassion, you wore it like a coat, like Paul says, you would walk the halls and you would see every single person. You would have compassion for them. You would see from their perspective. It would cause you to treat them differently. When you would go sit in the lunchroom and you see that person sitting by themselves with compassion, you would be able to see from their perspective and see they're in need of something that I can offer them. A conversation. A relationship. I mean, some of these things are really hard to think about, but if we're truthful, if we were to put on compassion, it might change everything for us. With compassion, we might be willing to comfort the broken. With compassion, we would see people from the difficulty they might come from so that we could be a part of helping mend them. Compassion. Paul says if you want a good relationship with your parents, you want a good relationship with your friends, you want a good relationship with your significant other, if you want a good relationship with people you come across each and every day, first and foremost, Paul says put on, in duo, do it on purpose every single day, put on compassion. The ability to see from someone else's perspective. And then he says this, put on humility. Put on humility. Now I want to be clear for a moment. Humility is not thinking less about yourself. You know, some of us, we think humility is walking around being like, woe is me, no one likes me, everybody hates That's not humility. It's not thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Humility is thinking about yourself less. Putting other people ahead of yourself. I know as a high school student, this is the hardest thing for us to do. Humility. Because if we're honest, we're oftentimes thinking about ourselves. I had this friend when I was in high school, and he was a one-upper. You know what a one-upper is? Every conversation, no matter what's said, that person's like, oh, yeah, well, I did this other thing. And it's always cooler. It's always better. And I thought I had a really good one. They're like, oh, yeah, I walked on the moon. You're like, what? Like, there's always that person, one-up, one-up, one-up. And guess what? Lacks humility completely. And too often has no idea. What if we were people, instead of thinking about ourselves, having every conversation come back to us, always about us, we put other people first. We thought of them first. I want to talk specifically about dating for just a moment. Because when I think back to my high school career, the thing that I wish I would have known more than anything else was how to put on intentionally humility when it came to dating relationships. I'm just being honest with you right now. The way I did dating relationships was so, so poor. And it set me up for really bad relationships for a very, very long time until God could finally root that stuff out of my life. But the root of all of it was selfishness. Too often we get in dating relationships, what we find ourselves doing is taking from one another something that we don't deserve at this point in time. I want to be very real with you for a second. The Bible gives us boundaries when it comes to relationships for a reason. 
God gives us boundaries for the way that we should interact with each other, people we care about, that we're affectionate towards for a reason. And when we're selfish, we're just looking out for what we want out of the relationship, and we'll take it as soon as we can get it. But what happens is when those relationships fail, when they die, as they often do, someone gets hurt in the process. But if we were people who put on humility instead of selfishness, who saw other people better than ourselves, who didn't think of ourselves, uh, who thought of ourselves less as we thought about other people, we would treat people differently. I want to talk to every dude in the room for just a second. If you're a guy in the room, I want to challenge you to see every girl in this youth ministry, in your school, maybe the one that you're dating, think of them not as just your girlfriend, but someone else's daughter. The daughter of Jesus, the daughter of the king. Maybe that would change the way you treat them and treat them with humility. Girls, same thing. Think of some of the dudes in this room. The relationship that could be here too often, if we're not careful, we take more than is deserved to us at this point in time. And those boundaries are broken and someone always gets hurt. Humility. Humility. Paul says, put it on like a coat. You're not going to do this by accident. This has to be something that you choose to do. It's a conscious choice. Then Paul says, put on patience. Put on patience. As a society, we, all of us, we are conditioned to lack patience. Social media. We're so used to reading posts, just a few characters, that to read an article or a book, it seems like forever. We're not patient. I mean, you watch television shows, there's sitcoms that come on today, and in 30 minutes you have this major problem that comes up in the storyline, and within 30 minutes by the end everyone's like, gee whiz, you're right, that's so crazy. And everybody's hugging and loving each other. In 30 minutes, and we get conditioned to believe that our lives are the same way, and they're not. You can go to Wendy's, go to McDonald's, you can order a meal and within like four minutes you can shove it into your face when it might take like hours at home and when you were like going out west in covered wagons it would take like days to cook a meal. We lack patience. And here's the thing, relationships are something that you have to be patient about. A good friendship is something that develops over time, it doesn't happen overnight. A relationship with your parents is something that we work at each and every day because too often we want it to be perfect right now. When I got married, I began to realize that to become one with my wife, when we got married, man, it didn't happen just like that. There was a lot of pain and difficulty learning that I was really messy and she was like super clean and she was like not organized. I was more, all these things. And it took time to develop this kind of relationship. And the same thing is true for all of us. Some of us lack patience. And when we lack patience, when something goes wrong within the relationships, we're ready to be done with it right now. But patience is, is seeing the long game. When I look at my boys right now, eight years old, five years old, I look at Murray, six weeks old. My boys right now, if I didn't have patience, I'd been done with them a long time ago. Because they're a pain in the butt most of the time. I've been in student ministry for 15 years now. There are students who I've invested my life in. And if I didn't have patience, I would have given up on them a long time ago. There have been students who would come in on a Wednesday night when I was doing middle school, and I remember being like, this kid is so awesome. He's so cool. The very next week, the same kid would come and be like, what is wrong with this kid? Like, it's the same kid. But here's what I know, and everyone listen to this. God is always working. But God grows things. Sometimes it takes time. It takes time. Paul says, put on patience. 
if you want good relationships. Lastly, for this section, he says, put on forgiveness. Forgiveness. And in fact, the way he, the way he frames this is he says, put on forgiveness because you are forgiving other people because who first forgave you? Jesus. Because you have first been forgiven by Jesus, that is the reason you forgive other people. If you're unwilling to forgive, perhaps it's because you've never actually accepted the forgiveness that comes for you first. Maybe the reason you can't forgive that person is because you have no understanding what grace is actually like because you've never accepted the grace that's come from Jesus to you first. Forgiveness. Paul says this doesn't happen by accident. Something you have to put on each and every day. Humility, patience, forgiveness. There are many, many nights where I have to go to my son's bed. When they go to bed and sleep at night, we have to lay with them, tell them stories. We read a Bible story with them, we pray with them. And there are many nights where I lay there in the bed and I realize that that day I had, lack, I had no patience with them. I got upset with them. And I'll tell you right now, I have no problem as a dad laying down next to my son and saying, listen, daddy's sorry. I shouldn't have said that to you that way. I shouldn't have treated you that way. Would you please forgive me? I'm a 36-year-old grown man. But I have no problem going to my eight-year-old son and say, please forgive me. I know it's the very heartbeat of a real relationship. Forgiveness. Paul says this then in chapter 3. He lists all these things. Put these things on. And then he says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be what? What's it say? Say it out loud. And be, and be, and be. Thankful. Paul says, be thankful that the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with what? Gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thankfulness. Gratitude. I contend tonight that the reason the biggest reason that we struggle in relationships is we lack the ability to be thankful and grateful for the people that God has put into our lives. You see, some of us in this room, we have parents that God has given us. And if we're honest, it's a gift. But too often, we have no gratitude. We're not thankful for the parents that God has given to us. Some of our friendships, you may have a friendship you've had for a very, very long time, so you take it for granted. You're like, oh yeah, that, um, that guy, whatever. We're not grateful, we're not thankful for the people that God has placed within our life. I think of the youth leaders in this room who literally invest their life in you guys every single week. I, I, we get jokes all the time like, what do y'all do the rest of the week? I'm telling you what these, this youth staff does. They pray for you, they prepare for you, they, they wait for you. They want to get coffee with you, they want to invest in your life every single day. And here's why. They are so grateful that God has put you in this youth ministry for them to be able to love and to take care of. But for a lot of us in this room, we're not grateful for what God has given us. You have some youth leaders who love you guys. That is something to be thankful for. Those are relationships to be thankful for. Here's a question. Tomorrow, if you woke up and you only had the things that you were thankful for today, what would you have? What relationships would be gone because you weren't thankful for them today? Paul says, put on gratitude. Put on thanksgiving. Be grateful for the people that God has put into your life. 
Last week I came to my office, I think on Wednesday, and I walked in and there was a card sitting on my desk, just a little card. I opened it up and I pulled it out and started reading. And it was a card from someone on staff here thanking me for my investment in their life for many years since this person was in sixth grade. They didn't have to write this card. They didn't have to. But the fact that they're willing to say thank you for the investment that I made in their life, it meant a world to me. I bet a million dollars if you went home tonight and you said to your mom and dad, mom and dad, I know I don't act like it sometimes, but I'm very thankful for you. They would start weeping in the living room. Because for some of them, they want nothing more than to know that you care about them and you're thankful for them. You know how I know? I'm a dad. It's true. Gratitude. Being thankful for the people that God has placed within your life. And lastly, Paul says this, and whatever you do, whatever you do in word or in deed, whether you're speaking it or whether you're doing it, Paul says, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because Paul understands something that we have to understand today. To be honest, we're terrible at relationships. But the reason we're terrible at relationships is too often we don't put this stuff on intentionally. We expect it to happen just like that. And it doesn't. Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's why. Your relationships with your parents, your relationships with your friends, your relationships with your significant other, all of these relationships that you find yourself within, they are a walking billboard to the love of God for people around us. And if people who are far from God were to look at you and your relationships, what would they conclude about the kind of God that we say we care for? The kind of God that we say that we serve? Paul says, and whatever you do, whether you're speaking it or whether you're doing it, do it in such a way that you keep Jesus Christ in mind. Because the way you care about each other, it says something to the world around you. If you guys want to see your schools change, guess where this kind of relationship has to change first? Right here. The way you treat each other in this youth ministry. The, the way you treat each other, the way you speak to each other, the way that you come around one another. It's a walking billboard to the world around you, the kind of God that we say is real. And we say is impacting our life. So whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it as to Jesus. Put on then, clothe yourself with compassion, with humility, with patience, with forgiveness, and with gratitude intentionally every single day. So tonight, I want to finish by saying this. The way this works is there's this vertical relationship that God wants with every single one of us. And this vertical relationship cannot be broken or disconnected from the horizontal relationships that we find ourselves within. Your horizontal relationships, they go as far as your vertical relationship goes. Our relationship with God informs our horizontal relationships. We treat the creation and it says something about how we feel about the creator. So God says, put on intentionally because of all Christ has done for you. Put these things on and wear them like a coat. Intentionally live them out each and every day. So we're going to sing here in a moment. I would encourage you guys to do one of a couple things. Maybe tonight you need to text somebody. 
You just need to text them and say, listen, I want to say I'm sorry for this thing I said, this thing I did. Maybe you need to text someone and say, hey, listen, I forgive you for this thing that happened. You may not even remember it, but I forgive you for these things. I want our relationship to be able to be, to be workable and awesome again. Maybe tonight the thing you need to do is as soon as you walk in that door, say, Mom and Dad, listen, I know I was a jerk today and like every day before, but I want you to know something. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. And share your gratitude. Maybe even as we sing tonight, there's someone in this room that you've got some kind of beef with. It's been going on for a while. Maybe even tonight as we sing this song, you can go up to them and say, hey, listen, I want our relationship to to be restored. Would you forgive me? Make it right tonight. What better thing to do than to leave here knowing that our relationships are intact and the way God has intended. I challenge you all tonight to ask God, what do you want me to do, God? Therefore, in light of all that you've done for me, you show me how I should live my life and these relationships in a way that honor you. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you tonight humbly. We come vulnerable because we want to be honest, God, that we are not good at relationships. I'm the first one in line to say that I struggle with it. But I pray that tonight, Father, that your spirit would, would fall thick in this room, that you might show us, maybe, maybe point right into our hearts, God, this thing or this person, this relationship that's struggling. God, I pray that you would convict us of it, that we might change it, that we might intentionally put something else on because it's the right thing to do as a way to honor you. I pray for any relationships in here, God, any significant relationships, dating relationships, God, would you help us to do it in such a way that we honor each other, we do it humbly, not selfishly. I pray for every friendship in this room, God, I pray these friendships would be examples to people at their school of what a good friendship looks like, where it's a two-way street, not just always asking, but also giving. And Father, I pray for every student in this room tonight, God, who's taken their parents for granted. I pray tonight, God, you give them in their hearts a deep gratitude, thankfulness for the people that you've put into their life. So, Father, I pray that right now as we sing this closing song, Lord, you would move among us, that you give us an excitement for who you are, what you're doing within our youth ministry, what you're doing within us individually. And, Father, we look forward to all that you have for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.